Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedian, founder and CEO of Dedian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedian, and today we have Brad Tomberg. He is a business technology solution professional at uh, E3 Consulting Partners, as well as Microsoft. Brad, how are you doing today? Great. Nice to talk with you, Christopher. Likewise, I am really excited to start this uh, podcast together because we're legit talking few seconds before the recording and we're going on tangents and I'm like, Brad, let's stop. Let's stop. Let's just click the recording. There's a lot of things that we're going to have fun on, but Absolutely. before jumping into all of that experience and everything that you're doing right now, can you please tell us a bit more about yourself? Because I gave a small introduction of who you are and what you do. Um, well, to give you an idea of my background, I've got about 35 years in technology. In fact, I started in this industry when people were working on PCs. So I've seen this industry grow up and mature. And uh, I've been 35 years in my own business, uh, E3 Consulting, uh, working with over 500 different clients, implementing ERP systems and CRM systems. My specialties are, have always been in supply chain and distribution, which is really hot right now, uh, manufacturing and finance. That is great. And it's it's really cool in slang to call it OG, which is somebody that's been from the original point of the conception of the internet in itself, right? And you being a part of Microsoft and working there, you've kind of seen that. I don't know how long you've been at Microsoft, but can you please tell us the transition of from how long you've started from Microsoft to now where you see the evolution of the internet, the usage of these platforms sure. and how it has completely not only changed the business world, but the world in general. Well, I'm, I'm what's called a boomerang at Microsoft. I was in Microsoft way back in 2005, the early 2000s. And then I had left to go back into my own business again because I had gotten really busy. And now I come back to Microsoft about five years ago, which is really the beginning of the whole evolution of the cloud or Microsoft, they, they call it three clouds. There's the Office 365 cloud. There's the uh, Dynamics 365 cloud. And then there's the cloud that has Azure, which is really the power behind Microsoft and all of the tool sets that have been developed. For example, you might've heard the term power platform, which are low code, no code tools that Microsoft has developed that allows you to essentially integrate with your application and integrate with other solutions that are out there and then infuse all of that data into the cloud to do things like artificial intelligence, machine learning, internet of things. In other words, the whole industry is now moving towards this concept of big data and managing that big data. And Azure is a way to capture all that data through like a data lake and be able to use it to serve up analytics and, and real-time data that senior management wants to be able to see to make those short-term decisions. And as you can see right now with what's going on with COVID and everything, uh, people are scrambling with their supply chain 
they have no visibility in it. And the idea of the Microsoft product solution is to give that end-to-end -end visibility to the supply chain, allowing people to make those short-term corrections and be responsive. That makes perfect sense. And thank you for bringing that up in that regards. And it is very interesting how, like you mentioned, that we're very much in the information age and getting those analytics. So if you just think about like AdSense or whatever you put on there, if you go on Facebook, you go on Google, whatever the case is, these companies are taking the information of the user. So then companies that are outsourcing, trying to sell products can be able to get the proper product in front of them. So what I understand is that you created a platform or you've been working on a platform that's able to funnel that information in the proper way so companies could use it. Is that correct? That's the gold. The gold okay. is in the data. Everybody wants your data. Everybody wants to buy your data. Everything that you look at in, in Facebook, when you click on something and then five days later, you see another advertisement for it. They're tracking you. They're doing these things called pixeling. So they're following what you do and what you look at. Well, that information from a consumer point of view is valuable to the retailer, to the commerce person, because this way they can then target their advertising and they can target their offerings towards you and they could see what works and what doesn't work. What's great about Facebook is Facebook gives you a free audience. It's a very, or not a free audience, a cheap audience. You put ads out there and you just see who clicks through to them and responds to them. From that audience, you then build a lookalike audience and that's when you go spend money in places like Google for ads, because now you know how to target because these are the people who are interested in buying your product. So rather than like a lot of people, they'll start out in Google and they'll just pick a subject and they'll start doing Google ads. And then they realize before they know it, they've gone through thousands of dollars and they haven't gotten anything because they don't do this kind of testing that an environment like Facebook allows you to do because they're doing all that. You can use a pixel because they're doing all of that for you. You can actually see where people are going and what they're doing with you. So you get to understand consumer behavior. And that's really the trick today with technology is getting to that. Brad, I love this conversation because it's very much on topic in regards to what's happening nowadays. So like you said, the information is the gold. The companies want to get you consumers information so we could target them properly. Now, granted, I truly believe that there's some advantage within that. Like if I'm looking for, let's say a specific sneaker and I'm still like searching and they get that data. And then once I'm scrolling on Instagram or X, Y, and Z, and they show me other sneakers, I find that valuable for me because they're filtering certain things. Now there's a counterpart to that, that people talk That's about towards your uh, information, your private information. If we think about Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, just over a year ago, went to the Senate and got like talked about that. Where do you think the future is going with information? Do you think that the countries, the governments, the, the institutions are going to put more structures in place to diminish that? Or do you still think that's going to be very predominant in business world and it's still going to be the same way? You know, it, it's been the fight, right? Depending on who's in office, you know, privacy of the internet and not privacy. In other words, any... I tell people this, if you go on the internet, if you go into any of these sites or you respond to anything, there's no privacy. And if you make that assumption when you go to, to that, then, then you, know, you use private browsers and use things like that. The, the value in it is for the business, uh, not necessarily for the consumer, but what they'll tell you is that there's value for the consumer because we're not going to show you the stuff that you don't want to see. We're going to show you the things that you have interest in. So I think what you're going to get into, and you're getting into it more and more now, is this opt-in capability mm. that, that in order for you to have your data shared, in order for you to 
have the company record your data. Look, I just went through a breach just recently and it was the same thing. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, they said your social security number and your driver's license could be could be breached. I'm like, well, I don't understand that. I never filled out anything on the internet. But if you ever fill out an application for something online, whether it's a loan or something like that, that information, those companies, even though they're not supposed to, are actually storing it in a database. Yeah. And that database then gets hacked and that information then gets sold. And right now, if you look at information, the most valuable piece of information that you can get is someone's medical record. That's the most valuable piece of it. That's the piece of information that on the black market is selling for the most. Okay. That's very exciting. Why <laughs> is that? Is it because pharma's behind it? Is it because they sell their products and they know, hey, if you have X, Y, and Z problems, oh, I have a pill for you. Why is that more valuable compared to, let's say, your financial statement, compared to your likes, your dislikes? Why is it your medical record that's the most important? I'm really intrigued. It goes to things like treatment, pharmaceuticals. Um, it, it goes to all of those things. And more importantly, on the black market, it has the most value. Because if you can get someone's medical record, think about what you have the capability of doing. You have their social security number. You have all of the information about their family history. You have everything that there is about them. So it's a big black market item as well. You know, It's something that's sold very commonly on the black market. I mean, The problem with the internet is it's a double-edged sword. You know, it used to be years ago that if somebody called you and left you a message and you returned it within two days, your service was considered good. And now if you don't return your phone call within two hours, they, what the hell happened to you? I mean, we've become this instant society where everything has to be available. And because of that, we now have convenience and everything that's convenient is on your handheld phone. Everything you're doing is via your telephone. All the information that you're sharing is you're sharing via an electronic device. So all of those things collectively together really put the risk level of your data at a very high level. And you know, everyone now, you know, this the new virus out, that's out that was built into the shareware, right? Now every every system has it. The the new um, I forget the name of it, but um, it just goes to show you that these hackers are getting more sophisticated and much smarter. And the one thing I like about Microsoft is if you look at their security center, they're, they're the company that's finding all of these things. They're the ones that they have, you know, this major control center that, that monitors all of these devices and all of these things and picks up on what's going on. It's, you know, the information that we talk about on the internet, we're, I guess it's one thing when it's in the hands of someone who has useful purpose for it, like selling a product or marketing a product. But then there's the other side of that, and that's that the information is being hacked into and being stolen and being sold to people and being used for fraud. And fraud is becoming bigger and bigger, and the tools and the controls around it now have to rise up to that occasion. And that's what you're seeing now. You're seeing all of these tools and these things coming to market to be able to try to prevent some of that stuff. So a lot of people are very paranoid about it. So what they do is they don't necessarily move into the cloud. They keep their their important data local on-premise, on-premise where their location is. And then they use the internet as a way of communicating to their vendors and to their clients information that's not considered to be mission critical. That is very interesting. Because like I said, that's where the conversation lies. And I'm pro-choice in that regards of like, if anybody has the option, like, hey, do you want your information to be out there so we could give you great ads? And if you're okay with it, beautiful. If you're not, there's a way to go about it. The only thing that I would hope 
really hope as a consumer is that the companies make it very dumb proof. Like you have the option. It's not, you have to go into these like complicated settings, this, that, and the other, which is where they hide. And that's a common practice. It's not like we're talking that they're evil. This is stuff that people do They've been doing it for years. Absolutely. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's the transparency aspect because what you're saying about the data of your of your uh, medical records, I had no idea about that. I had no idea they get sold on the black market. I don't even understand the value necessarily towards that. But once you hear it from an expert such as yourself, you're like, okay, wait a minute, maybe I should move a bit differently when it comes to giving out X amount of information. So I, I never give out my social security number. I don't put yeah. my social security number on anything just for that reason. And when they ask me for it, I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put it in writing, and you're not gonna put it in your system. I'll give it to you if you need to have it because most people the reason they need to have it is if they want to come after you to collect from you yeah. i don't want to give it out because to me it, it's that's my passport yeah. my social security number so that makes sense and brad before we started this conversation uh before recording you were talking about that you had done a book and you were going to go on this beautiful rant i'm like i stopped you instantly i'm like i want to hear about this rant on recording and you actually wrote a book called the business fitness revolution Yes. And just that title is something that's hitting very home to me because I just co-authored a book and we just finished writing it, hopefully able to launch it uh, end of 22. And it's about the correlation between sports and business. So in your title, you have business fitness revolution. So talk to me a bit about what that book is, what do you teach within it? And let's go into that. Okay. Well, similar to what you're doing, I'm comparing the, the physical body to the business body. And what I'm trying to do is to help the CEO or the COO or any C-level executive or business owner achieve peak performance for both themselves and their business. I get up at four o'clock in the morning and I go to the gym every single day. And I've been doing that for years. And it's the way that I start my day, just like brushing my teeth. And people are like, how can you get up at four in the morning? Well, I can't sleep past 3.30 anymore because I'm used to doing that. And what I learned through that is I have a tremendous amount of focus and drive when I come home from the gym and it's only 5.30 in the morning and the world is still sleeping and I'm ready to rip the face off the world. So I thought about that and said, you know, it's something that I really like to be able to teach. But what really set the whole thing off was one day I was at a client site and the gentleman that I was dealing with was extremely overweight. And he was, this was in the middle of the winter and he was sweating profusely. And on his desk were, was French fries and onion rings. And he was screaming at all of the people in the company that was around him. And I noticed that everybody was miserable. And that was when it popped into my idea. And I wrote a blog article. I said, you know, the business owners like the brain and how he communicates or doesn't communicate, or how it's dysfunctional, how there's blockage is communication through the central nervous system. And then I started saying, well, there's a circulatory system in the human body, how, how blood moves. There's a circulatory system in the business, how quick cash flow moves through your business. And I did the same thing with the, with, with the eyes what the business sees and what, what, how the business views the world and how an individual with their eyes, right? We started comparing each of them. And after about 12 blogs, we put it into a book. And then after I did the book, I did the book back in 2015, 2016, I've always had this on my bucket list to produce a course. I've always wanted to take the 40 years of experience that I have working with businesses because yes, I'm in technology, but a lot of times when I'm in there, people say to me, well, you seem to understand a lot about business. Can you help us fix some of our business problems? And can you help us fix some of our personnel problems? We have high turnover. 
And it became like management consulting in addition to the technology consulting. In other words, I would lead with technology, but I ended up doing business consulting. So I figured it would be really nice to be able to teach business owners who are just either starting out or more importantly, looking to scale their business. Because I had the same problem. I, I can get all the business in the world, but it was only as much as I could do with a couple of people that I had working for me. I could never scale my business right. I didn't understand you know, the concept of, of a team, the concept of, of leaning in, as Brene Brown would say, right? The, of being uh, having empathy for people. And it was something I had to learn. And then I realized that there's a lot of things that people need to learn. And the book actually takes you through each chapter and there's exercises with it. And the, old, the goal is to improve yourself personally so that you can be, you know, think about it, a, a body, whether it's a business body or a human body is operating at full efficiency when all systems are operating at hundred percent, mm-hmm. right? Like if you have a broken arm, you're not at hundred percent. If your business is having problems with cash flow, it's not at hundred percent. So that was the kind of the whole concept, the underlying concept of the thing. And so far it's, it's, it's met with the, uh, a lot of positive feedback, workshops and things like that, that we're doing. So it's, it's my, my afterlife, I guess you could say, when I finally have had enough of this technology. <laughs> I love the correlation that you did when it comes to business and your human body and how you explain certain parts of it. That's very interesting. I've never heard that analogy in that, in that way presented. So if that is the concept of the book, I'm all for it. So congratulations with that aspect. And one thing you mentioned, I want you to highlight, unpack it a bit more. When you said like, hey, you know what? If you're having cash flow issues within your business, that's like missing an arm. So imagine we take that example as I have a lot of listeners that are entrepreneurs, business owners, and so on. What would you speak towards having a problem in cash flow within your business? So correlating to your example of not having that arm, what would you do to mitigate that situation so you could have a well-functioning body with everything, like you said, from waking up at 4 a.m., going to the gym, having a successful business? What would you speak to that? Well, from a personal side, think about if you've got good cash flow, you have a lot less stress. So there's an instant improvement to your health. Yeah. From the business side, you know, it becomes an analytical exercise, right? Let's look at your outflows. Look at, let's look at your inflows. Let's look at, at inflows. Let's look at your sources of cash. Let's look at what you're projecting in terms of your receivables and your payables. You know, a lot of people don't even have those fundamental things set up, so they can't even tell what their cash flow is. And then what about when there's shortages? Do you have a means, a well to go to that you can temporarily bridge that situation until you can get into, let's say a busy season. Like if you're a retailer, you're gonna make most of your money in the fourth quarter of the year. So what happens in the first quarter of the year when you're paying all your vendors and you run a little short? You know, what is your strategy? So what we try to do is we try to lay out and unpack what the strategies are that they should do to either smooth the uneven cash flow, or maybe even to do some hard things. Maybe the cash flow is happening because they have too many employees and they don't have enough business. So mm-hmm. are they going to go hire more people? Or are they going to lay some people off? You know, what's their approach? What's their strategy? So we try to develop these long-term growth strategies. And there's a bunch of people who I work with who are very, very good at doing these kind of things, financial professionals and stuff like that, and, and try to help them kind of get on that straight road. Because again, if you can peel away the way that if you can fix the things that are broken, the body can begin to operate at 100% efficiency. And everything has an impact on something else. If my cash flow is horrible, my infrastructure or 
my skeletal system might be weak because I can't afford to upgrade my computer systems. Now I'm 10 years behind in my technology and that's causing me pain and that's causing me money. So we always try to figure out what's the pain and what's the cause of the pain and what's the strategy to remediate the pain. I love it. So what it comes down to is awareness is first and foremost, you have to spot it out. Once you have that awareness of like, Hey, like you said, maybe I have too many employees for what my business is taking in right now. So what's the strategy? How do we increase business or how do we let go some people to afterwards be able to grow the business and so on. So that awareness aspect is very important. Try to find where the hole is in the boat, where the water is going up, mitigate that and then grow the boat moving and, forward. And you know what? When I'm dealing with family or I'm dealing with small businesses, you know where that hole in the boat usually is. And, and being from the Bronx, that's what I have to do. I have to tell the business owner when the business owner calls me up and says, Brad, I need you to come in and take a look and tell me what's wrong with my company. I'm turning over employees and stuff like that. And this, well, Mr. Business owner, you're the problem. So let's work on you and how we can make you a better boss. Because you know what? Here's what I'll tell your entrepreneurs, because I'm guilty of the same thing. Yes. Being a good entrepreneur does not necessarily make you a good manager or leader. Yes. Okay. And if you can't do it, get the hell out of the kitchen and let somebody else do it. Yes. You know, so, and that's the hardest thing to tell an entrepreneur. It's his baby. He loves it. He, you know, it's, it's, it, he leaves, he lives, breathes and eats it. And the problem is when I was the entrepreneur who was that way, when I was in my twenties and thirties, I could never hire anyone who would stay because I was always looking to hire someone who was like me. Yeah. That's the worst mistake you can make as an yeah. entrepreneur is to hire another entrepreneur. You want someone who's going to push back on you, who's going to be a leader and an effective manager, knows how to hire, does everything that you can't do. And that's what I, my biggest advice to my entrepreneurs is find someone who does what you do lousy that he does well. I don't yeah. know if you've yeah. ever heard of Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan yes, talks yes. about, you know, uh, you should always focus on the things that make you extraordinary and you should delegate everything else and if you're a great salesman then go out and sell but don't don't put together marketing brochures if you're a great salesman because you suck at design you know because the best you could ever possibly be is you could become adequate at something that you're terrible at but if you're really good at something you could become exceptional at it and you could lead your industry with it so where your core competency is identify that if you don't know what it is sit down and write it on a piece of paper these are the three things that yeah, i do yeah. better than anyone else and if you can identify those things those are the things you do find people to do all the rest i love that brad i love what you just mentioned over there you dropped so much knowledge and gems and this is what it comes down to massive clarity and awareness, right? Like you said, if you have to know like, Hey, these are the main things I need to do within my business, anything other than that, I should delegate. Then your business is going to go forward. Like for me in my business, because it's exactly the same thing. I'm a peak performance business and life coach, as well as a, uh, a professional speaker. I look at it within my business. There's four things I need to do. I need to be playing the role of the CEO. I need to be creating content. I need to be coaching, or I need to be uh, on stage. If it's not those four things, I delegate. So when I do a YouTube video, I have an editor. When there's some email, else coming in, I have a secretary. I have a blog ready. It takes my content. So it's understanding that framework so you could move forward. Furthermore, you mentioned Dan Sullivan, which huge fan of, and he just co-authored, he just, yeah, he co-authored a book maybe a year ago, which was called Who Not How, which is the concept of the delegation. It's not about trying to figure out how to do something. So if you're like, 
let's let's use editing for an example. You want to do a YouTube video to put it out there and you're like, hey, I have to figure out how to edit. Maybe in the beginning, you're going to do it to figure that out. But if you really want to go forward, is you have to find who's the proper editor for you that's going to be so much more talented than you that's different. And you're only going to concentrate on one thing. So I love that approach and that aspect and that realization that as the leader of the organization, most of the times everything's on you. And that starts from waking up at 4 a.m. or whatever time, going to the gym, taking care of your spirituality, your body. And then that's going to translate to your success within the business. So, I mean, that was spot on, Brad. And I'm going to ask you a question that's probably one of my favorite questions, because obviously you're a very successful man, not only in your own business, but within uh, Microsoft and the whole thing that you've done with that. And there's a lot to learn about highlighting successes and so on. But there's a lot to learn about failures and certain difficulties that people go through that we don't talk about a lot, I find personally. So my question to you is, within your business right now, where are certain parts that you think there's place for improvement, place that you could optimize or certain difficulties that you're going through right now? And once you talk about that, what do you do or what do you think about of how to approach it to fix that? Well, you're asking a good question because my biggest failure in business has been, I have business, I get leads, I get referrals, but but actual marketing lead generation. I mean, one of the mm-hmm. things that I have is, I, I'm also a duct tape marketing, I was a duct tape marketing consultant for five years. And the reason I joined duct tape marketing was to learn everything there was about marketing so that I could be a more effective marketer at it. And I realized that I'm, there's so much to, it's like drinking from a fire hose to do all of the different things. And the people that I'm working with you know, they do all those things, but I realize that doing things for the sake of doing things with no end result, with not setting a goal. In other words, I'm going to spend $3,000 a month for four months. And if after four months, I have nothing, I'm going to cut. You have to know when to cut your losses. You have to know when to realize that there's something that is, is, is that you can't do. And, and marketing is, is, while I think I can do it, it requires dedication and time that I don't have. My time is better spent doing other things. So what I've done is I've created strategic partnerships. I find that's a good way to go. Not to outsource it to someone on, on, a, on, on a site where I just go look for names, but to actually develop these partnerships so that they gain from me and I gain from them. You do the marketing for me, I'll help you with your clients and laying out a framework for okay. how to support them. So. It's that mutual, it's that reciprocity between partners that is that I think will get me out of this. When you say failure, I don't say failure. I say stagnation. Mm-hmm. That to me is a failure. I'm stagnating. I've been stagnating. I haven't, I want to, at my age, I want to build a company to be a hundred people so that I can cash out on it. And I'm short on that goal. And I, and I look at it every day and say, here I am at my age. And I should have done that by now because everybody else who I've worked with, including, you know, I started in this industry with Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. They used to be in the booth next to me at PC Expo. You know, these guys have either cashed out and made millions of dollars. And why haven't I? Because I haven't figured out that formula on how to scale. So my biggest failure has always been scaling. So I've decided over, especially over the last few years, I'm not going to scale. I'm going to be me because I've got a lot of value to bring to the table and my clientele will be much more focused and much more specific. So failure, you know what? Failure is the stepping stones to success. And any entrepreneur who's successful will probably tell you they failed three to five times before they succeeded. And the ones that succeeded the first time, they were damn lucky. Yeah. (laughs) 
And that's and, the way it works. You, you learn each time you fail. I mean, failure to me has always been a learning experience in everything that I've done. Hundred percent. That's the, the the core essence and foundation of success. There is no success without failure. And for you to succeed with that failure, the way the only way a failure could be an actual failure, in my personal opinion, is that once the failure happens, you don't learn from it. If you're going and doing the same failure over and over again, then you're making a mistake. But all those opportunities of learning and you analyze like, okay, what happened here? What can I do it differently for next time? Just like you just did. That, that's This is why I love this question so much. You went through a, uh, a rant of like, hey, I was in the same place as Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and Wozniak, how did they get there? And I wasn't there. And then you're like, okay, I pinpointed that I wasn't able to grow my business in the same way in X, Y, and Z. But then you took a step back and you're like, you know what? I'm better being a solopreneur or on a smaller sense of that. And that's great value. So you understand that clarity aspect of where you need to be and stay within that genius, that expertise that you have to then grow that to the levels and whatever you want. So Brad, I mean, that, that was just beyond delicious. And I feel like I could, we could talk until tomorrow morning, but I want to be respectful for your time here. And I just want to ask one last question, which is where is the best place that our community could reach out to you, communicate with you and see if they need any of your services and so on? Well, I'll give you my cell phone, first of all, and then I'll give you my email address. My cell phone is uh, 732-735-6429. And I can be reached on my website at it's uh, B Tornberg, T O R N B E R G, at e3businessconsultants.com. I love that. Everything you mentioned will be in the show notes below. Brad, once again, thank you very much for this great podcast. I love having Chris. these conversations and uh, we'll definitely do it again. Absolutely, Christopher. Thank you very much. Have a great day and happy new year to you. And your thank you. And likewise. All your listeners too. All your listeners have a happy new year. Thank you. I do not know when this is going to be posted. Probably going to be dated a bit. We're going to be probably two, three months, not three months, probably two months after uh, new year's, but we're still going to say happy new year's. I do appreciate that. And let me know day. because we want to post it on our site to give you some reciprocity of traffic. Okay. hundred percent. We'll definitely get that going. All right. Thanks. So once again, have Thank a great day, everyone. You too. Bye-bye. Christopher Dedian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or intrapreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.